On this week's installment of our adjustment series, we're going to focus on the big play and taking away the big play in all phases of the game. And we're going to get right into it on the offensive side of the ball. So one thing that I've seen be successful, especially this past weekend, is finding a way to isolate a route and allowing it to have a ton of space so that it is truly a one-on-one, but no restrictions really as far as somebody else getting into the picture or the sideline becoming a factor. So as an example, I'll pick out a, a few here that I saw this this last weekend. And the first one comes from Texas and Oklahoma. And Texas was using the freshman, Xavier Worthy, quite a bit. And in their last touchdown, he was able to get all the way across the field on a deep crosser. I'm not sure if it started out as a post, uh, but he had the whole field in front of him to outrun the guy who was on his back. And initially it started off as some pretty good coverage, but there was absolutely no help from any of the safeties. And one of the big reasons was is they got attracted to some of the intermediate routes. And so when you look at what you do with your routes and in taking shots, what you have to ensure is that one route is not bleeding into another and that that defender either intentionally or unintentionally becomes a factor in that shot route that you're throwing. So think of it this way. You can bring a guy on a deep post or on a deep crosser over the top of things. And I mean, the angle he has to run at is, is pretty high, right? He wants to get across the field and allow the quarterback to throw there. Uh, but the quarterback can do a good job with play action fakes as well as his eyes to hold those guys down on the other side and then throw over the top of them. So if they see, let's say, a comeback uh, being uh, broken to the sideline and maybe the guy hooking up or running a dig in the middle of the field, that's going to attract the corner and the safety on that side. And now if you had, let's say, the inside receiver running that deep post or getting all the way across, that safety now is really forced to defend the entire half of the field, over half of the field, really, because he's on uh, that that one side on the hash having to go all the way across. So um, I saw that numerous times. I saw it against, uh, in, in the pros, uh, Browns and San Diego Chargers. Of course, I was watching that game. Um, but the Chargers did it twice, and they did take advantage of a newer defensive back being in there. I'm sure there was some communication, but they drew those guys down and ran Michaels over the top on a post twice. They got the Browns twice that way for a touchdown. The Browns also got them in running a deep crosser to Njoku, the tight end, and when he broke a tackle, there was no one else there to help because they had a similar situation where uh, they were able to to bring some of those other guys down on, on shorter routes or intermediate routes, and then when he caught the ball, he was able to run with really nobody in front of him. And that was a 71-yard touchdown. So, I think the thing you want to focus on in looking at some of your shot plays, because they are very important, is to make sure that there's a ton of space for that throw. I know double post is one I like to use, and and what we would do with that first guy really was to run him thick uh, at an angle. If we we were, uh, let's say, on the hash, really try to run him on his cut kind of to the – to the opposite pylon and the other guy then was running to the near post so that it's drawing that one safety down and there's enough space for that to be a true one-on-one and on on the sideline away from that usually we would put some again some kind of a comeback there so that that corner wasn't drifting deep and able to somehow get back into the play if the ball was in the air too long so something to think about in creating your shot plays Uh, the other 
part, I think, to focus on in play action and really anything is to carry out fakes. I can't tell you how many times I've seen plays uh, get big yardage because a defender was pulled away by a fake. Uh, one of the best ones I've seen at this was a uh, state champion from Alaska a few years ago. He sent me his tape, and these guys had a specific way of grading the fake. I'll share that episode in the show notes, um, but you know, you would watch this, and a lot of times, even watching film, you couldn't tell who had the ball because everybody was running like they had the ball, and it would definitely peel defenders away. I remember one particular play he showed there was a guy with the ball carrying it to one sideline and another guy running away from a defender on the other sideline, but he didn't have the ball. He was being chased because he carried out that fake so well. So a couple key things, I think, to fakes, especially on play action, and these were ones that really worked well for us and created some uh, serious uh, open receivers because we were pulling people away, uh, was to... Tell our guy when he can't, he would roll over that fake. Okay, we would want him to keep eyes up, and we told him to rock the baby. So you think he has both arms over it, and he's moving his arms, right? Why is that important? Well, it's hard to distinguish if he has his arms together and they're moving. Is the ball in there or not? So there's a little bit of a distraction with it. And then with his eyes, what he wants to do is make eye contact with a defender and break away from that defender. And a lot of times, if he's looking at that defender and then breaking away, that guy's bought the fake, and he's peeled away from, let's say, uh, a naked or something like that where he can't contain anybody coming across. So carrying out fakes is another way to create those big plays. And then the third thing I want to share on the offensive side of the ball is to find work. I can't tell you, especially with RPO offenses, how many times I see guys having an opportunity, if they would just keep working, to go and make a touchdown block, yet They'll stand there, they'll run their hitch, and then watch their, their buddy catch the ball. And by the time they get into trying to block somebody, it's too late. The tackle's either been made or they're not in a position where they could get there. So there has to be some recognition and work on the part of those guys that when they uh, see the ball thrown to somebody else, that immediately they're going to transition and get to touchdown alley. And I believe I've talked a little bit about this before, but that effort will serve to spring some plays. It may not you know, be any single play uh, in, in a particular game, but at some point during the season, that effort is going to create a touchdown. Uh, one way you can practice that, and we really liked to do this kind of as a, a warm-up uh, once a week, uh, beginning of practice, and you could do this. We did it with stand-up dummies. We would take all our stand-up dummies and put them out on the field. We would run a route, throw the ball, and then everybody would really have to rally to the nearest uh, stand-up dummy that they saw and block it. Now, I think to be efficient with this, that those are heavy, and you might not have those to be efficient with it, really you can work to a cone. You can set different cones out on the field to represent different defenders. You might want to think about, you know, in the particular defenses you're seeing, where they might end up if they're in, in their drops, etc., and then work your receivers to go find we called it fine work. That was the name of the drill, the fine work drill. Go find work, get to that guy, get yourself in a position where you're going to block him. So it doesn't have to be a heavy physical period. There doesn't even have to be contact. As I said, you could do this with cones, but you get into that habit of getting downfield and making a play and springing somebody for a touchdown. Now, from a practice standpoint, what I would do to work creating 
some of those deep routes over the top is to give especially a young quarterback that picture constantly. Think of how you can create that drill um, where you have those routes pulled down and he sees that he has clean grass in front of that receiver and he can throw the ball out to that guy. So you would go through making those fakes. You'd have your guy run his route. You would simulate the other routes don't need to be run really, but simulate those defenders being down and him being able to throw into the window. Now what I would do with those guys uh, is, is give them a rule, touchdown or check down. And so I would create a check down within that. Maybe it's a back leaking out into the flat uh, or something like that. Somebody who's been faked to and leaking out into the flat. That can be your check down. And then create that picture and drill it over and over again. Sometimes give them that picture where somebody has dropped off and kind of taken that away and force him to check down. And so that he's not seeing for the first time what that looks like in the game. Certainly you're going to get some team reps on it. But I think for those shots, especially here as you want to work on some things, uh, maybe in group periods, etc., that you can work a little bit of that by just, as I said, creating that picture for what it looks like and whatever concept you have where you're trying to get that guy to a huge space, open field, beating a guy one-on-one, and show him everybody's been you know, sucked down onto those intermediate routes or somebody's leaking or drifting deep uh, to take that away. Okay, so that's a good drill to work that. So let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball and think about a few things on defense. Uh, number one is to make sure if you are on the back side of a play, especially if you're that contain person or secondary contain, that you don't have a keeper or a reverse or some kind of a, a counter coming back your way. And what we did when I coached high school ball and in our defense, primarily that was going to be our Will linebacker. He was a guy who, by design, was always our free hitter. Uh, if that ball would go away from him, he had to use what we call the f- the five-yard fence. And we would use him a lot up on the line of scrimmage in his alignment. And, you know, he would just play uh, sometimes where he would crash there. But most of the time, he's just playing defense from that position. And he wouldn't really be in a blockable position against some of the offenses we saw. But if he was quick to run and chase a play down, they could really hurt us with something coming right back at him, like I said, on a reverse, on a keeper, on some kind of a a counter back the other way. So the five-yard fence was simply an imaginary fence, and he had to, before he would pursue, he'd have to backpedal those five yards with eyes looking for that counter and reverse or keeper, And once he cleared those with his eyes, nothing coming back, then he could go pursue. And that really stopped a lot of big plays. There was a lot of times we'd see that on film where he was playing his five-yard fence technique, and he'd start back, and there it was, play coming his way, and then he was able to redirect and make the play for either a loss or a no gain. So huge in taking away the big play when you have that in mind. Uh, The next thing, I heard this talked about by Mark Bruns, who – as a defensive coordinators won some state championships as a defensive coordinator as changing the angle of pursuit we all, always work those drills where the guys are working on one level straight down the sideline but in reality if you watch how guys pursue if they're doing it the right way they're going to change that angle multiple times as that back starts to uh, change where he's going right so you think about some drills that you might create instead of having these guys run to a point on the sideline, is to have to redirect those drills. So maybe that guy's not already running up the sideline, that you start him 
uh, on a path that let's say is uh, starting on one hash mark, uh, have them run to the middle of the field, have them cut to uh, the hash, have them cut to the sideline. Now that guy's changed directions a little bit a few different times and they're working on that angle to get there, right? Especially for those backside guys. So giving a little bit of a variety to that and working on changing that angle of pursuit. Always making sure you have that effort, but using your eyes to see what's the angle that you need to take to be there to make the play if it comes back to you. Then the last thing I might look at is how do I get my guys to be disciplined and not jump down on some of those routes too early? Certainly, they want to take away that intermediate. You don't want to give up those chunks again and again and again, but you still have somebody behind those, right? So think about just creating that picture. Again, maybe you work at just a big play period, take away big plays, whatever, where you're creating that situation where you see their shots and you see what they're trying to do in front of your guys that you run those things and you have the quarterback or scout team quarterback move his eyes and get them to stay disciplined and take that away. Force that throw underneath, force that check down, and you're going to be in a good situation. On the special team side of the ball, an idea I want to share is called the two-whistle drill. And we worked this both for our kickoff team and our kick return team. And we found, especially as the season went on, it was very effective in working on maintaining the exact position we wanted these guys to be in, the fit they w- that we wanted them in, and in the lanes we wanted them running in, or, or those block points they were getting to. So uh, on the kick return side of the ball, what we would do is uh, line up our scout team against us. Uh, they would start uh, at, at the yard line that the ball was being kicked, so 35-yard uh, line, and they're running on the whistle. On the first whistle, everybody's running. They're going to stop, though, uh, at the 50. Okay, They're not going to go anywhere from there. Our, our return guys are getting to their drop point. Now, we like to, to run our return where we get those guys back. And we had a kick out um, by our fullbacks. They would kick two guys out on that side. Uh, usually, they'd run together and then split. Now, with the rule changes, we, we had to you know accommodate some of those things, but we wanted to get to the drop point and you know work these work these guys on what they're doing so we're taking a little bit out of that of that full run out of it uh, doing this in segments and really breaking it up then into a couple groups so uh, everybody would run and stop at their drop point or stop at the 50 if you were the scout team Uh, from that point then they're going to work we would go right side and then left side the right side would go uh, with the that side of the, the scout team uh, those guys are staying in their lanes. We're getting then to our block point with them and fitting the right way. We really didn't want big collisions on this, and it wasn't really part of our kick return anyway. We wanted to get in good position and really time those blocks up. It was a lot about the timing of those blocks rather than getting these huge blocks. And a lot of times it was our wide receivers, bigger wide receivers, who we would use on this unit. Uh, and then on the, the next whistle, uh, we we did block it or break it in half on this side of the ball, so it was really three whistles on the kick return side. The other side would go along with uh, the kick out and the returners, and they would get their blocks. And really, our guys were going to stop. Uh, the scout team was going to stop once they got fit up. They weren't going to try to run by that. That wasn't the purpose of the drill. And we would run that a few times, working on those fits, and then we would get one or two runs on it, depending how much time we had left. But you know, at this time of the year, we didn't necessarily need those long run plays. We didn't need big contact. We just had to work on maintaining our fit so we could get some big returns in the kick return game. 
Now, the exact same drill works on the kickoff side of things. And again, we're not focused on having to uh, have big contact on this. It's about doing exactly what they needed to do, whether they were going to avoid or attack a blocker. And so for the two-whistle drill on kickoff, same thing was going to happen. These guys would start on the kick and run to the 50. Right in front of them, they would see the scout team's blocks developing. Why is that important? Well, I think it starts to show them exactly how those things are going to unfold, what those guys are trying to do, and it gives them some recognition then. On that next whistle, they're running, and it is a full run. All right, They have those blockers coming at them, and now they're working against that fit. They see where those guys are trying to fit them, and they're doing their techniques to avoid that. Right. So the two-whistle drill, I think, can work. Again, this time of the year, it's about maintaining what you've taught, really getting into good fits, into good position, utilizing some of that technique, understanding the schemes that are against you, rather than just always getting those full speed sprints downfield. So we would lose some full speed reps, but at the same time we felt that we gained a lot in terms of being able to uh, get the exact fits we want, hit our drop points when we were on kick return, avoid or contact on the kickoff, and really maintain our lanes and, and condense on the on the uh, returner on kickoff. So some ideas there, again, to create big plays or take away big plays, all phases of the game. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back with Coach Mazzoni. He is back from Germany, so he's joining us to talk about some of the big games from this past weekend. And on, on Wednesday, DJ Elliott, FBS, longtime FBS coordinator, joining us to dig into the defensive side of the ball and talk about some of the things that we saw from this past weekend as well. Keep following us throughout the season. Follow us at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.